Hey guys, ladies and gentlemen, I always say guys, but it doesn't mean it's just guys. Um, we are an equal opportunity podcast. Um, it's just me today. Uh, Tim is still at work and could not make it back today. Um, if you're watching or you pick up in this deal, be sure as always, let us know in the comments that you're watching and share the, the, the podcast, share it on to your friends and tag people. This is going to be an interesting topic today. We're going to talk about, does God really want everyone to be healed? It's going to be an interesting discussion. Look forward to seeing you when we get back. Hey, hey, Martha. That sounded really strange, Martha. I didn't mean to say your name that way. Martha. Um, good to see you, have you watching. Um, I actually had not planned to to talk about this particular topic. Uh, I've been doing some a lot of study and a lot of research, and it's just fresh on my mind, and I was actually having a conversation about this with somebody yesterday. And so... Um, I want to share a, a little bit about it, and, and we'll, we'll jump in. Um, our whole point of our podcast is real simple. Um, it's it's around this thing called Kingdom Vision, and we we, we just try to, to teach through how to see the world, you know, the way God sees it, um, and not just like in big things like, you know, worldview type stuff, but even in the the little things, the day to day stuff, and and to really to talk about and discuss and and drive people and help to lead people into a place of of just seeing things um, the way God sees them. Um, this particular topic that I wanted to visit with is really near and dear to our hearts, and you'll you'll see why in a minute. Um, you might actually hear why in a minute because uh, Brenna is actually next door, and uh, she's very vocal today, and so we're going to talk about her a little bit, but. If you're watching, here's the deal. Um, this particular discussion, I was really hoping Tim would be able to be here today because um, it, it would lend itself to some conversation. It may actually bring up some questions. And so if you're watching and you, you have a question, I want you to ask it. Um, and, and there's no question that you, know, you shouldn't ask or don't worry about if it's a challenge even or a pushback. That, I actually welcome those. But... Um, the premise, I guess, of this study began in my own heart. Um, if you got your Bible and you wanted to turn, go to you know where we're going to start. Now, there's a bunch of scriptures I'm going to share today or at least mention. But in Psalm 139 is where we'll be. Um, that kind of jumps off, I'm sure. Some of you, if you're familiar with the passage, you'll know where we're headed. But for those of you who don't know, um, Brenna is our special needs daughter. She's 15 in a few months, turned 15 this past uh, May, I have to think. I've, we have seven children, so I have to think about it. Um, it is seven, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I can't tell you how many times people have have said things to us, and they're, they're not. It's not wrong. It's just the way things are. Um, but people have said things like, "You know, it's not God's will for her to be uh, the way that she is." You know, and, and the way that she is, is Brenna's 15 years old. She's nonverbal, developmentally. She's about two to two and a half, depending on the domain. She has difficulty walking. She's, by and large, tube-fed, um, has significant damage in her, in her brain, absence of gray matter and things like that, um, and just has a very general difficult time. She's got, we got about nine or ten doctor specialists that we go see on a regular basis. 
a list of medicines as long as both arms that keep her alive every day, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so um, it's just a, by some standards, it's a difficult life, um, but it's just life for us. And so that's the context, you know, people say, you know, it's, it's, it's not God's will for anyone to be sick. God wants to heal everyone. And so we've had her prayed over, we've prayed over her um, ad nauseum for the 15 years, asking and begging God to heal her. Um, and in his sovereignty, uh, he hasn't. And I guess for me, the, the topic that we want to talk about today, and I guess I'm just going to be the only one talking about it because Tim's not here and unless you guys send me questions, it'll just be me. But I, I want to postulate and send out this idea. And, and here's the thing. And my assertion is simple, is that I'm not so sure that's a true statement. And I want to be able to take you into the text and show it to you, at least where I'm coming from. And it's not a formal teaching. And so I don't want you to look at it that way. This is, this is a overflow of my walk and overflow of my study with the Lord and, and what he's, what he's talking about. And the question that really is before us is, is, is it God's will for people to, to have difficulty and hardship specifically physically? Um, and there is a common idea amongst Christians and evangelicals that it's never God's will for anyone to be ill. It's never, you know, God's will for anyone to have physical difficulty, particularly. And, um, and so we pray to that end. Now I want to tip my hand just a little bit, uh, before we even jump into the scriptures, um, is because it might sound like as we look through here that I don't think that God still heals people. Um, and you might feel that way. Uh, I want to really be clear. I don't, that's not true. I believe that God does heal people. As a matter of fact, he, I've seen him do it in the moment by the hand of me and some other people that were praying over people. I've seen it happen. Um, I've known of it happening. Um, and it's, it's the real deal. And so we continue to pray for it. And I believe in the scriptures it teaches that he does. Um, but there's also another truth in the scripture that's really hard for people to see. It's hard for people to face. And that's what I want to talk about. And because here's the problem. If we operate on the assumption that it's God's will that everybody be healed and nobody be sick and all sicknesses or physical disabilities or whatever are, are problems, then we have to go down some really strange roads. Um, in fact, we were asked by somebody early on in Brenna's life, much like we would see, I think it's in, is it John five with Bartimaeus or is it, where is Bartimaeus? He's in John nine. Um, John five is the pool of Bethesda, but the disciples asked Jesus when they came across Bartimaeus who was blind, who sinned him or his parents? And Jesus response was neither. And, and that's one of the things we're going to talk about. And, but we've actually been asked, you know, before, you know, do you think that Brenna is the way she is because of your sin or because of some sin in your family? Um, and I remember at the time just, man, that was a gut shot. That was like, you know, what? Um, and boy, I, I wrestled with that for a little while, to be real honest with you. I, I wasn't sure how to answer that because I, I didn't know. I mean, certainly there's plenty of sin in my life, uh, you know, that for somebody to pinpoint, just like yours, I'm sure, uh, has got plenty. And uh, whether or not, you know, that really 
began to challenge what is it and what is my view of God? Well, back the story up a little bit. When Brenda was born, um, we knew about it ahead of time. Um, in January, before she was born in May, we knew from a sonogram that she had a cleft lip and palate. We didn't know the extent of what we were looking at until the day she was born. Um, but we knew it was coming, and so we had had some time, you know, about three or four months worth of of, uh, of wrestling with it. And when she was born, she was in the NICU. We, we kept this passage um, over her bed. It's, it's Psalm 139, and, and it starts in verse 13. But really, the up, even up to that, it's talking about how God knows everything, and He doesn't just know it. He interacts and assesses change on everything. And verse 13 says, For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb, and I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made, and your works are wondrous, and I know this very well. Here's the problem that we get into when we don't look at both sides of the coin of this text. Um, I have encountered literally thousands of people, probably, literally, um, definitely hundreds. And I see it from people that I'm not encountering, but I, we hear it all the time. You've heard it. Someone's expecting a baby. And what do we always say? I said it, I've said it four times uh, that we've been expecting a baby. And that is, hey, I don't care if it's a boy or girl. I don't care about anything as long as it's what? You, you just shout at the, at the phone. It's as long as it's healthy. Um, and man, I really want to push back on that a little bit because while I understand the sentiment because I have felt it, my view of that now is quite a bit different because what we're really saying is, is I will be happy. I will be pleased. I will be thankful. I will be grateful. I will be whatever it is as long as the baby is exactly like I expect it to be or that I hope or want it to be. But my question to you is, is what are you going to do and what does it do to your faith when that doesn't happen? What does it do to your understanding of this text? Because this text says, you, speaking of God, created my inward parts and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Well, for us to apply this scripture to Brenna's uh, time in the womb, we've got a choice to make. Either... This text is true, and God knit her together in the mother in, in her mother's womb exactly the way that she is on purpose. Or this is not true, and he just was kind of hoping for the best. Because see, to, to take this and say, because we use this verse for a lot of things like, you know, to be about pro-life and those kind of things, very appropriate for that. But it's a narrow interpretation of this text to say that that's only true when everything is normal, healthy, and, and goes well. If we don't apply it across the board, then all of a sudden what we're really doing is we're in this weird zone of challenging and worrying about and, and actually questioning God's actual sovereignty. Um, is he really in charge of what happens in the womb? Is he really knitting together someone that's in the mother's womb, but it, it even gets more tricky in verse 14. He says, I will praise you because why I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Um, we, we also apply that in pro-life pro discussions. We talk about uh, birth or, or a life inside the womb. And we talk about it in the, not just in, in babies, but just in, in everybody. The reason that we believe in the sanctity of life is because we were fearfully, remarkably, the CSB says, 
and wonderfully made in the image of God. We are the Imago Dei. We are the image bearers of God. And, and we use that to value the life of the drug addict, even the life of the, um, the criminal on death row uh, that has committed heinous crimes. They are still created in the image of God, may have chosen paths that bring them to where they are, but they're still image bearers still creations of God, still knit together in their mother's womb. And so we have to make a theological space for children, for babies who were not knit together in the womb the way that we think that they should have been, or maybe the perfected way, maybe the, the totally whole as we would see it way. I wrote a blog article some time back called If She's Broken, God's Not God, or something to that effect. And... Because even even in my mind, I have viewed her for at, at times early on, especially as you know that that her body was broken and it, and it wasn't the way that he wanted it to be ideally, but because we live in a fallen world and a broken world, that it just happened. It was the result of of you know humanity's sin of Genesis three of the fall of mankind. I could probably have that argument on either side. Um, hello, Miss Vasquez. Thank you for watching. Um, but here's the here's the issue. I either believe this text or I don't. I either believe God is sovereign or I don't. And I was confronted as she grew up and have we've we've been involved in ministry together or as a family. I've seen God use Brenna's infirmary infirmities, infirmaries as a building, infirmities, her her hardships, her her physical problems to reach people that were unreachable. To, to soften hearts that were not very soft. They were hard as stone. And, and I've seen people be restored in their faith because of what she goes through. Um, and actually the conversation is even deeper than that. Um, but fundamentally, the question that you have to wrestle with is, is, is God really in control at that level? And even if we can't agree yes or no or get a definitive, some of you are going to want a scientific whatever. I want to I want to take you over to oh, let's just flip over to Romans eight because for me you you always think of Romans as um, you know the salvation passage you know we're talking salvific things, but for me it's about sovereignty and who's really in charge. Over in, let me look at uh, which verse. I don't want to read everything. I jotted myself down some notes. You'll be happy to know that. Um, for me, whether or not, the question is simply that, let me rephrase that, is whether or not, not only does God have the right, but is it within his character to, in the womb, form someone that's not what we would consider whole? And is that, within his purview and is it something that he wills well it's actually really easy from scripture to go to just a couple of places one i've already mentioned and see that we can argue all day long about whether it should or shouldn't be this way but we can't argue the fact that it is that way uh, bartimaeus in john 9 is a great example he was intentionally blind if you read the text it says he was this way for the purpose of, of bringing glory to, to the Son in that moment. So he spent his whole life blind and, and suffered the hardships that that brought, especially in their culture. He was unable to work. He was begged. You know, he was a beggar, et cetera, et cetera. 
all for the purpose of bringing glory to the Son. And so somebody out there is going to say, yeah, but that's, that's just not who God is. That's not in His character. But is it? Um, John chapter 5, which I was referring to while I go to the pool of Bethesda, you have the, the, the crippled fellow there at the, at the pool. Um, scriptures tell us that he was that way for 38 years that he had been trying to get in the pool to be healed, and he wasn't. So, and if you've watched The Chosen, you, you've seen some of that you know, depicted fictionally. But here's the facts. The facts of the text are he was created that way, allowed to be that way, and looks to be for the express purpose so that Jesus could heal him and bring glory to the Son, which brings glory to the Father, um, gave witness to his message for salvation and those sorts of things. And we could go on and on and on uh, with examples. Hey, Terry Payne, um, nice for you to join us. Thanks for watching. Um, but the question really not, it, it doesn't, we're in the wrong space if we start saying, should God do something? Because what we then find ourselves doing is trying to defend God's honor. God doesn't need us to defend His honor. He needs us to understand Him, to receive Him, and, uh, and, and, and accept who He is for who He is. And that's hard. But if you go to Romans chapter 8, and that's the, the, the passage that people, oh, I guess it's Romans 8 or is it Romans? I'm in the wrong, I don't have my, my Bible that's all marked up with me. Um, maybe it's Romans 9 that I'm referencing. Um, okay, it's actually in Romans 9. That's what I thought. I thought my notes might have been wrong. Um, if you are watching and you are confronted with a family member who has disabilities, a family member or yourself who's sick chronically um, or has died prematurely, prematurely, um, these are real questions that, that you go through. Why me? Why them? Why us? Why now? Why not something different? Why is this being brought to us? And we've wrestled with all of those, and we still wrestle with them. Um, it's not to me, at least for me, it's never been, I've never been in a place where it's like, oh, I'm finally kicked that, you know? It still comes up. But a place I have to run to, when I don't know, when I'm out in the, in the throes of life and I don't know what all is happening, I don't know what's up and I don't know how to deal with my emotions. I have to run back to the places that I know to be true. And for me, the sovereignty of God is one of those places. And in Romans 9, um, there's a series of, of, of scriptures and I want, I want to read them. Because he's just gotten through talking about Jacob and Esau. And he makes an, a selection between those two. But here's what he says. He says, what should we say then? Is there injustice with God? Absolutely not. For he tells Moses, I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. You can take this in a whole lot of places and go weird spots with it. I want to really boil it down to the basic and fundamental thing that this is talking about. He's asserting, he's quoting some Old Testament scripture here, but he's, he's asserting a fact that, and, and scriptures will declare this, that he is God and he does what he pleases. And everything that he does is within his character, his nature, and his authority. Our job is not to question that. It is to understand and receive that. Well, and I say even understand. We don't even have to understand it. We just have to accept that it is and that it's true. Um, the verse I wanted to read, um, 
Let me find it here. Well, let's just keep reading in that in that Romans 9. He says, So then, it does not depend on human will or effort, but on God who shows mercy. Now, yes, these are salvific, uh, salvation-oriented passages. I get that. But it speaks to the ultimate level of God's sovereignty. And for me, dealing with a child um, with disabilities and a life, that, quite frankly, the life, we were talking about this this weekend, the life that we have is wonderful and joyful and, and it's glorious. But it's also not the life that we expected to have. At 47 years old, with our kids moving out, we did not expect it this way. Um, it, it's different than what we had planned. Um, frankly, it's harder than what we had planned. And so I can either get really upset with the Lord about that, I can get mad at God, I can shake my fist at Him, or we can have this thing that we like to call kingdom vision and look through what the Scriptures will tell us and look through what you can see into what you can't see and, and see what God's doing. And ultimately, we have to rest in the place that God does know what He's doing. Um, he says in verse uh, 17, For the Scripture tells Pharaoh, I raised you up for this reason, so that I may display my power in you, and that my name may be proclaimed in the whole earth. So the Scriptures literally say that God declared, For the Scripture tells Pharaoh, I raised you up for this reason. He was brought to power, and, and, and I'm not even here to talk about Pharaoh's will and choice and all that. That's, that's not the point of today's discussion. Today's discussion is all about does God do things by His sovereign will that to us don't make sense and sometimes seem like they're against His will and His nature? People way more intelligent than any of us watching or me sitting here have debated what this means and whether or not, but the fact of the matter is the text declares that that's what he did. And so really your crisis of faith comes in, not whether you're an Arminian, a Calvinist, or an elect, that's not it. The crisis of faith for you is, is, do you believe in the sovereignty of God enough, in the holiness, the righteousness of God, in the, in the purity of God, in the goodness of God, to say, if that's the way he designed the plan to be, then so be it. That's really my question to you is how deeply do you actually believe in the sovereignty? Then he says, so then he has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy and hardens whom he hardens. He says, but you will say to me, therefore, why then does he still find fault for who can resist his will? It's like, hey, if you're going to make me be this way, why is it still my fault? But I love the way he answers. He says, on the contrary, you, who are you, a human, a human being to talk back to God? Will what is formed say to the one that formed it, why did you make me like this? Basically, Paul's saying here, you're asking the wrong question. God doesn't need to justify himself to you, to me, to anybody. And he's, we are his created possession. We're his purchased possession, a created thing. Go back to Psalm 139. He is the one that knit us together. He is also the one that sent Jesus to redeem us. We are His. We belong to Him. Um, and this is the text that I actually wanted to get to, and then I'm probably just going to leave it off, let you go discuss it, share it, and let the comments fly as they may. But he says in verse 21, on the contrary, uh, excuse me, verse, yeah, he says, or has the potter no right over the clay and here's where it gets tricky for some people is they think this, that God wouldn't do this. But I want to challenge you. The text declares it to be true. He says, to make, he has the right over the clay to make from the same lump one piece of pottery for honor 
and another for dishonor. So don't miss that. He's saying it's within the purview, within the authority of the potter, which is God, to create a vessel with the intention that it would be dishonorable. Verse 22. And I know somebody out there is going, oh, you're talking about predestination and double predestination. and prede That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about does God have the power to do what God wants? Verse 22. And what if God? He's, he's, he's postulating the hypothetical. What if God, wanting to display his wrath and to make his power known, that what if he wanted to do something that was a display of his wrath so that he could show his power, endured with much patience objects of wrath prepared for destruction? So he's saying, what if he made some objects, creation, people, things, nations, whatever, situations, that were bound to be objects of his wrath. And he endured them. He put up with them in order to make his power known. He said, what if he did that? Verse 23. And what if he did this to make known the riches of his glory on the objects of mercy that he had prepared for, for, beforehand for glory? Here's the thing. This is not me. This is the Apostle Paul. And here's what he's saying. What if? What if God created situations that were bent to receive his wrath in order that those who were bent to receive his glory would understand his glory, would see it. Verse 24, on us, the ones he also called, not only from the Jews, but from the Gentiles. Ah, he's referring to believers. He's saying, what if God's willing to show his wrath so that we believers can see how good and glorious and powerful he is? And here's what he says in verse 25. As it also says in Hosea, I will call not my people my people and see who is unloved beloved and she who is unloved beloved. And it will be in the place where they were told you are not my people. There they will be called sons of the living God. And Isaiah cries out concerning Israel. Though the number of Israelites is like the sand of the sea, only the remnant will be saved since the Lord will execute his sentence completely and decisively on the earth. And just as Isaiah predicted, if the Lord of hosts had not left us offspring, we would have become like Sodom and we would have been made like Gomorrah. Here's the issue I want to deal with today, real real simple. And I've got a, a probably a hundred different passages that we could deal with and, I, and we're not going to do it. But as I want to boil it down to a real simple thing. When you're confronted with a situation that in your human, finite, limited mind and understanding looks like this has to be something that's outside of God's purview, will, and goodness. It just, God wouldn't do X, Y, Z. Be careful because you can go to the text and you can see where there are things that he does do that seem to be outside of what we would do. We would think, well, I wouldn't even do that, but so God's better than me. Why would he do it? We have things in Scripture that show us that we don't always understand. I mean, Scriptures declare, what is it, in Isaiah 55, I think? His ways are not my ways, or our ways, and they're higher than ours. They're different. He's totally different. Even the angels in heaven, when they fell down to worship Him, holy, 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 that means you are other than. You're different. Everything you do is different. You're just not us. We may be made in your image, but you are different. You're something else. And so it helps me, and I'm hoping that it helps you, to frame things that you don't understand. We're always pushing people on this podcast, through our teaching, through our trainings, 
to look past what you can see. You've got to get past what you think is the way things ought to be and to see how is it that the kingdom says it ought to be. What is the kingdom doing? What is God doing? For our situation, for me, I finally came to a realization that, and it was through prayer, I think it was through the, the message of the Holy Spirit, that although God is perfectly capable and I still ask Him daily to completely heal my daughter, that she would get up, that she would talk to us, that she would have the cognition to be a normal kid. And you know what? He could do it tomorrow. She could get up out of bed tomorrow and have a vocabulary and, and be on par with her peers. It could happen. We've also seen him do that in Scripture. He told Lazarus he couldn't be dead. He raised uh, the little girl from, from the dead once when he wasn't even there. We've seen the apostles do it. Paul preached so long a dude fell out of the third story window and died and he went down there and laid across him and raised him up and kept preaching. Now you think we're long-winded. I mean, that happened and so I believe it. I also believe that Bartimaeus was allowed to be blind so God could be glorified in his healing. I believe that the guy at the pool of Bethesda was allowed to be the way he was and in fact knitted together in the womb because I believe the veracity of Scripture so much. I believe in it so much that I just have to accept it. And so I can look at our situation and instead of being poorly low me and shaking my fist at God, why would you do it to me? I can take a cue from Job because what God told Job was basically, where were you? When Job was complaining about all the calamity that had come his way, he said, where were you when I told the oceans where to stop? Where were you when I put the goats on the mountain? Where were you? And Job's response is, you know what? I think I'll cover my mouth with my hand and stop speaking because I don't have anything to say to that. And that's the approach I want to take is like, instead of saying, God, why'd you do this to us? To flip that, go past what we can see and say, all right, God, what is it that you're trying to teach us? What is it that you want us to do? How are you using this situation to bring yourself honor and glory? And it, and it changes everything. It helps us to be able to accept what comes our way, not that we don't ask and not that you don't pursue. Well, we still take her to the doctors. We do everything we can to, to make her well, to make her life easy. We do all the things because we've got this little tiny idea in our head of what healing looks like. And that means that in our minds, it means somebody prays, they touch her, and everything is the way we think it should be. But if I've not learned anything in this walk with the Lord, it's that things are rarely the way I think they should be. The right way is rarely what I think. Um, it's, it's almost always something different, but it's always what he thinks. It's always what he wants. And so maybe because God's outside of time, I, I would even assert that, that she's already healed. But in our experience, we're linear. We're, we hadn't seen that yet. How many times has someone that you know has passed away from cancer or whatever, and you say, well, they got their ultimate healing, meaning they went to heaven and they're not hurting anymore. They have the resurrection body. Well, to God, that to us, it's a timeline. It was a, a place on the timeline. Somebody was born, they lived, they got sick, and they died. But to God, He doesn't live in time. He's always in, and my brain starts melting when I start trying to think about what that actually means. But it, it may, I think our pastor even said, um, you know, it may take a lifetime for the healing to be seen. It may take, it may take, going into death. It may take years of medicine. It may take years of rehabilitation. I believe God uses all of those things to heal. And then sometimes he does it in an instant and we can ask for those things. 
But in all of those things, and wherever you're at on the continuum, what's important is not that we get angry with God or we try to put God into our expectations of what a healing should look like, when the healing should take place. Um, and, and we ask for it, we, and you know what? We keep asking for it. It's what he tells us to do. Bring your desires, bring your petitions, and do it. And to James 5, pray the, the prayer of, of faith. And if you read that really carefully, it says that your sins will be forgiven. And, and, and it's really talking about healing coming out of the heart and out of the soul, not necessarily out of the body, although sometimes they go together. And, and it, so it's not an and or, an or, or either or. It's just a different way to see it. That uh, I heard a pastor say on a, on a podcast yesterday from a sermon, somehow, whatever comes my way, whether it be calamity or suffering or hardship or joy or whatever, or, or blessing as we call it, uh, material blessing or prosperity or whatever, all of that goes through the sovereign hand of God. You can't have it just everything that's good comes from God, which is true. Oh, but all the bad stuff, it, you know, it was somehow outside of God's sovereignty. I will say this. If all the bad stuff that happens to us happens to us because it's outside of God's will and He really doesn't control it, then we're in a terrifying place because God's not sovereign. God's not in control. And, and, and according to the text, I refuse to be in that spot. So my encouragement to you is this, is to wrestle with hard questions. Um, if you're out there and you're wrestling with, why would God do this to me, to my loved one? Why would God be this way? Why am I having to go through this? I don't have the answer to that question. But I know this, is that God's bringing it to you, in sin, either by allowance or by design. Even, you know, we read in the scripture where Paul was... A messenger of Satan was sent to buffet his flesh. We see that. Um, and we can talk theologically about the ramifications of that, but here's the facts is it happened. And so I, I want to step back and I hang and I cling to the promise and of the word that says, my daughter was fearfully, wondrously made, knit together in the womb, which means she's precisely how he meant her to be. Or she would be different. And he's good enough I can trust him with that and I can look for joy in, in caring for her. And there's another level of this discussion. We ain't got time to get into it and I won't. But it also seems like, it doesn't even seem like, it. the scriptures will declare that going through difficult times in the flesh, through suffering, is the way that we learn to fellowship with him. Fellowship in his suffrage, Philippians 3, verse 10. Um, Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 8. Jesus learned obedience to the Father by what he suffered, that text declares. And so there's this place that our view is is suffering is always bad. Please do not run out and seek it and try to say, oh, I better put myself in some suffering. No, that's not, that's not what this is about, and that's not what he's saying. There's plenty to come your way. Just being on this earth sometimes is plenty. Um, there's, there's plenty of heartache to go around, and, and it is because the world is broken, sins in it, and there's bad things. But God is still in control outside of all of those things and working in all of those things and through all of those things. So my encouragement to you is, is I guess the question we started was, is it God's will that everyone be healed? Um, I don't know that I really answered that question for you, but I think it's one for you to, to, to wrestle with. For me, I get into and say, I can rest on the fact that I can see in the text where he didn't heal everyone. Even at the pool of Bethesda in, in, in John 5, he didn't heal everybody. There were times when he did. He healed everybody that came to him. And then there were times that he didn't. So instead of trying to figure out what the formula is on which one is happening, you know, are we going to heal everybody this time? Are we not? Or Instead of figuring that out, we just let him decide. And we go to him and we do what he says. And we pray the prayer of faith and we 
We look for healing and we continue to pursue it. And sometimes we don't get it. And then we look for joy. Then we look for the ability to serve in our suffering. And how do we use that for his honor and his glory? Because it's in those times he also brings you joy. And he gives you peace and he gives you grace. And he says, my grace is sufficient. He's not always going to bring us out of our situations, but my grace is sufficient. And we got to get through it on the other side. I don't know if that's helpful. It's just been where my study has been. Um, I've got a whole bunch of scriptures we could go through that talk about these things. And maybe we'll follow up with it next week depending on how the feedback goes. But um, if you've got questions, you think maybe you think I'm absolutely out of my mind. Uh, send a comment, send us a message. Be glad to chat with you about it. Um, I'm hoping Tim will be back next week. We've got a lot going on in the ministry right now. Won't bore you with all of that um, this time. We're always looking for people to help us in our ministry, uh, to partner with us financially, even if it's you know $5 a month. Uh, would be helpful as we we're building an app we are uh, trying to put together a trip down into the the valley to train some pastors who are crossing the border uh, down there back and forth have churches on both sides of the border we're trying to get another pastoral training down on the other side of the border in matamoros um, for mexican pastors we're also trying to put together a trip to nicaragua to train missionaries there and so lots of stuff going on uh, it all takes money tim and i do not take any money from the ministry um it all goes into to doing the podcast and 99% of it goes into uh, doing these trainings and, and carrying those costs. So if you pray about it, go to the cruciblesfire.org forward slash donate and uh, all 100% of that, um, just you give there, it's tax deductible, goes into the ministry and we would appreciate it. I want to encourage you today to go wrestle with the hard questions um, and God can handle it. If you've got doubt, he can handle it, but get into the word and be prepared to accept what you find. We'll talk to you later. Y'all have a great weekend.